As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 202 of Bags and the Bee, where we're talking deadline. Is Brandon Belt going to get moved? Bags, your thoughts. Wow. that you you got a, you, I think you've got a future in voiceover work. That was like in a world. <laughs> that was pretty good. I like that. Well, we got to punch it up. Hey, we've got our top 10 trade deadline thoughts. In a world where teams are making <laughs> trades, what will the Giants do? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, well, welcome to the podcast that could be moot <laughs> by the time you're listening to this. I mean, they, they, yeah, we, we, this is the danger of recording a podcast so close to the trade deadline is that uh, we could speculate on all this stuff. And you know what? <laughs> it's all going to happen. And then it'll all be... <laughs> We'll just need to change the verb tenses and we'll look like geniuses and that's it. But uh, yeah, this this is it. This is the time. It's a weird deadline. It's a really weird deadline for the Giants because, you know, this might be the one time where they punt and they, they don't do this. They never do this as an organization, but they, I, th- I think they could. I think they might. Uh, so I started the podcast by saying Brandon Bell does 202 at bats. Might he be moved? And then you responded with... Uh, a- it's all going to happen. They're going to punt. You have inside information. Brandon Belt is definitely going to get traded. Is that your uh, is that your take? Um, no, <laughs> I I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think Brandon Belt will be moved. Uh, you know, maybe who knows? But it's up to him, right? So so I guess to to, to turn this thing a little bit serious and to to sort of cast a lens on this, um, I don't think the Giants are going to be in seller mode, fire sale mode. Everything must go, must go, must go mode. You know, this is not Crazy Larry's electronic emporium. Um, but I, I, I do think that they could move pieces off this major league roster. Uh, Carlos Rodon being, of course, the most obvious and biggest one, where it would be really tough to say, we improved, we're a better team now, we're, we're, we're confident in this group. You know, we're going to go forward and give this team a chance to get in front of the Cardinals and Phillies and whoever else and get into the postseason. 
I don't think that they are going to just strip everything down. And I think they will, at the end of the day, be able to say that we still believe in this team. Uh, whether you believe them or not, I don't know. But I do think that when they move a player like Carlos Rodon, and I think I think they will, um, they're going to get major league pieces in return. Uh, people they can plug in right away. And, um, and a lot of this is going to be fixing their defense. A lot of it is going to be moving some DH types off of their roster because they've got too many of them. So whether it's Wilmer Flores, whether it's Jock Peterson, um, you know, I, I think that they will subtract some players off their major league roster. And, and we'll see just where this leaves them. And one of the major things I think that is driving this is the trickle of um, – that they're getting from their major, their minor league pipeline. I mean, the the just it's been a really tough year on the farm, and and you know if they were going to trade prospects to get you know big time impact players, those prospects value is is at an all time low as you've written about uh, Grant, and and I just think that you know this is the reason that they're not where they want to be four years into the Farhan Zaidi regime is they haven't started to get that flow from the minor leagues. So that means they got to go and get those players from other organizations, just like, hey, we don't have anyone to play shortstop. Let's grab a triple-A guy from the Cubs. Hey, we don't have anyone to catch. Let's grab a triple-A guy from, you know, the Orioles or the Astros. That's kind of what they're doing. I think this is sort of a macro version of that. Yeah, these are all good. I mean, we have talked about this where it's uh, Elliot Ramos not coming up and doing the things he was expected to do. That trickles down into your mean Mercedes in left field. You have out the Austin Wynn trade because you have Joey Bart not doing what he's supposed to. I mean, you can even go to guys, they... They were very aggressive with the promotion for Ricardo Henevis. Uh, at the same time, you know, no one expected him to be in the major leagues, but that's the sort of surprise that maybe a good farm system might have is someone like that one guy. Oh, we weren't necessarily counting on this guy for this year, but here he is. I guess David Vieira is a little bit like that, but not really. The Giants just don't have that. And so I'm going through right now and I'm making uh, a list of, of prospects and teams that might match up with the Giants in the Rodon trade. And it's going to be guys who are closer to the major league roster. It's going to be people you will see this year and next. I don't think that they want uh, a, a another low A guy, someone they have to be patient with. They have a ton of low A guys. That's the strength of their system is the lower the that you get in the farm system, they get a little bit stronger. They don't want that right now. They need some depth in the upper level. So I think that's what you might see. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I, I have gotten very familiar with the St. Louis Cardinals because they have a lot of players who have either come up recently or are just bubbling up right now. And it's funny because they all sound like they're the same. They all sound like they've been spit through the like MLB name generator. Dylan Carlson, <laughs> uh, Brendan Donovan, you know, um, uh, uh, Nolan Gorman. They, they all sound like they're like the same guy. <laughs> but, and, but they, you know, good good on the Cardinals. I mean, they they've they've moved a lot of hitters up through their system and graduated them to the big leagues at a time when, you know, you had the pandemic. What, what, what's, what does a hitting prospect do during the pandemic? A pitcher can use edutronic cameras and, 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 and mess with their spin rates and, and change their arsenal. Uh, you know, hitters just couldn't do anything uh, really meaningful to develop during the pandemic. And yet the Cardinals have found a way to, to really have be flush with, with hitting prospects. And I think that that's the team that matches up best uh, for the giants. It also matches up best, I think for Juan Soto, um, 
And, and who knows? One of my proposed, you know, goofy trades I came up with the other day was that the Giants help the Cardinals get Juan Soto and send them, you know, a couple of prospects, you know, whether it's an Averson Artiago or a Elliot Ramos or whoever, that they can move on to the Nationals and maybe try to get a player like Tyler O'Neill or Brendan Donovan or or Nolan Gorman or or one of those players that came out of the name generator. <laughs> I mean, do you remember the when the full fighting baseball for the Super Nintendo when that went viral on the internet because they had the the made up names and it was a Bobson Dugnut and Glenn Allen Nixon <laughs> and Todd Gonzalez and Mike Truck and oh gosh, that is that's an all-time classic. Yeah, so the Cardinals are doing that. Um I am the Cardinals are a good team that matches up. Uh they have a lot of prospects who you would see sooner rather than later, if not right away. One thing, I was going to be very clever with the end of my article, and by the time this podcast is out, maybe I've published, uh, but I, I think a possibility, a remote possibility, is that you have prospects coming back from Carlos Rodon and they're good prospects, uh, maybe a top 25 prospect in there, a top 50 at least, and then you take that you bundle that prospect with Marco Luciano, maybe Cal Harrison, and you send that over to the Nationals to get Juan Soto. Maybe they're not helping the Cardinals. Maybe they're helping themselves. And I thought it was so clever. Uh, John Morosi just said the Giants might do that. Uh, he listed the Giants as a sleeper team in the Juan Soto sweepstakes. Uh, so I'm not that clever or uh, maybe I'm more clever. I don't know. You know, it, it's funny. Now they have, um, you know, so many like trade boards and the trade value simulator generator thing, which is really cool if you poke around it. Um and also can be very dispiriting if you're a Giants fan to see just how, you know, what some of these players are worth and what some of their prospects are worth. But uh, there, there's so many trades that sort of the, um, I guess, the public at large has spit out there. I have to believe, I have to believe that there's at least one major league trade that's happened that was inspired by something someone posted online. Whether it was, you know, <laughs> whether it was you or me or some random fan or, you know, there there has to be. There has to be an instance where somebody, some intern saw this and was like, oh, that, that kind of makes sense. And then took it to Jerry DePoto and Jerry DePoto's fingers got itchy and and made the deal within 10 seconds. Um, I, I, I would be fascinated to learn about that. I bet you it did happen. And it happened when uh, I wrote about Tyler Heineman and Chadwick Trump as minor league free agents. You can't tell me that I wasn't the inspiration for Tyler Heineman and Chadwick Trump being the starting catching duo in 2020. I'm just kidding. I, there you I, go. I did call it, though. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's why you're in the uh, IBBWAA Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Absolutely. No, I just – I wonder if uh – I don't think that the Giants would package uh, Luciano and Harrison and whoever they get for Radon for Juan Soto. I will say that they have to at least be curious just because the Dodgers seem to be in a very good position to get Juan Soto. And that would be uh, objectively awful for the Giants for the next several years because you know that they would do the, the Mookie Betts thing and sign him to a half-billion-dollar contract, and then you'd have Mookie Betts and Juan Soto and Freddie Freeman and Oh My, and it would just keep going. 
uh, and going for the Giants. So that might be something that lights a fire under their tuchus. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I, I don't think he would even sign a half a billion dollar contract. I think he would hold out for more. And um, I think it would take 600, maybe even 700 a million to sign him. It's going to be goofy. Uh, and if I think that's the only way you keep him off of the open market in two and a half years is to give him that kind of money. And there are very few teams that, that could do that and almost no teams that could do that. But yeah, I totally agree. If you're the Giants and you don't have the pieces to get Juan Soto and or you make the, the judgment call that, you know, you have to give up so much to get him and strip down to get him that you wouldn't be any good in the two plus years you'd have him, um, which I don't think the Giants would be. Then the next best thing is to, you know, use the powers of the force to redirect uh, Juan Soto to another division and and maybe even get involved as a third wheel to, to help facilitate that and 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 use that to your own gain uh, to get some some young players controllable players that could be everyday players for you um and so yeah that's that's why i think uh i think there's a lot of opportunity out there for the giants and it's going to be really interesting to see where this trade deadline goes and um and who goes where it's a really tricky position because the giants are four games out of the third or fourth or fifth wild card or whatever uh which isn't that far away but at the same time it's hard to think of a move that they could make where if it's a defensive move, say it's Ramon Laureano, let's say it is Sean Murphy, say they shore up their defense with some moves, they give out some talent, uh, they get some talent back, some cost controllable talent. Uh, are they going to be favorites for that final wild card spot? I don't think so. Are they going to make anyone forget about the putrid play of July? Probably not. So when you start looking at the team like that, you have to trade Rodon. I don't think it's at this point you can say, yes, we can get in. If we can just limp into the postseason, you have Webb and Rodon, and that's, that's a fantastic front too. And maybe there's some magic and blah, 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 Ishikawa, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I think that this is a very rare uh, cosmic event where you have the best pitcher at the deadline. He's not going to be back next year by almost any measure. Uh, you have to trade this guy and get some prospects. Even if the Giants had a farm system that was humming, I think that would be the play. Yeah, and you know, this is not traditionally what they've done. Um, they have not been a team that has traded someone like Carlos Rodon at the deadline, especially when they've been in the position that they are in right now. I mean, there were two games over 500 and on the very fringes of contention in 2019, and they did not trade Madison Bumgarner. Uh, they, they wrote it out with them. And I think that's a, this is a different situation because if, and I wrote about this uh, last night, if Farhan Zaidi had been offered, you know, two top 100 prospects or some really good major league players for Madison Bumgarner in 2019, he would have traded him. <laughs> I mean, let's not uh, have any illusions over, you know, the importance of Madison Bumgarner finishing the year out with Bruce Bochy. Uh, that was all nice. I think that did have some value, but, you know, not that much value. I, I think that Farhan <laughs> would have traded him in a heartbeat for, for uh, some really good major league players. And the offers just were not compelling. And uh, they were not compelling enough for Will Smith. So the Giants took the comp picks. Carlos Rodon is going to have some compelling offers. There's going to be compelling offers for him because he is a compelling pitcher. I mean, and every single contender could use him. Uh, the thing that gets tricky is, you know, if they try to thread this needle and say, well, we traded Rodon, we traded him for players we can plug in right now. So, you know, we made ourselves better and worse at the same time. If you send him to a team like the Cardinals, that's the team you're chasing for the wild card. So <laughs> it's going to be even harder to justify it, I think. But, uh, you know, we all know it, it's it, the optics are bad if the Giants punt on a season where they're, you know, theoretically have like an 18% chance of making the playoffs. And yet I just don't think 
I don't think the rank and file fan or, or the enlightened fan or any any segment of fandom would have to really be. Um, I, I just don't think they'd object to the Giants doing something to give themselves a better chance to compete next year in a tough division. Um, and, you know, this it's not like they have the, the ballpark sold out night after night after night and they feel an obligation to their fans to, you know, to see the season through. I mean, there was 10,000 empty seats for a Cubs-Giants Sunday afternoon beautiful weather game. Uh, and yeah. so... I think that I think that the calculus has changed. The organization uh, priorities have changed, and I, I I know this from a very high up source in ownership that there's not going to be any veto power uh, coming from above Farhan Zaidi if if he uh, if he recommends that they trade Carlos Rodon or anybody else on this roster. Uh, they they still believe absolutely in him uh, despite some of the miscalculations that have been made uh, this year, and um, and so I think he's going to have you know free reign to do what he thinks is best. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is a really interesting point because I hadn't thought of it like that, where you're talking about public perception and you go back to one of Brian Sabian's biggest and first moves was the white flag trade. And that is so named because the White Sox fans were aghast that they would trade their best starter, their best reliever uh, and give up on the team where they thought, hey, maybe this could work. You know, come on, let's try it. We haven't won in a while. That's not what I'm hearing from Giants fans. I am not on Twitter reading. No, no, no. We just, you know, we just need one more pitcher. Come on. We need one more hitter. We need to shore up this defense. We can do it, guys. You know, Wolverines. And it, it just, I'm not seeing that. And I think that speaks to how bad the Giants have been for, it's not just been July. They, they weren't that good in May or they weren't very good in June. It's been three months of dispiriting baseball. You aren't going to have to fight the PR battle. Everyone's going to understand it for the most part with very few exceptions. Yeah, I mean, the, the hard thing for me is is just reminding myself over and over and over again that Giants Twitter is not Giants fans. I mean, we're talking <laughs> we're talking five percent of Giants fans are are Giants Twitter, and and they're very. Um, I guess there's a lot of selection bias at play there, and they're not necessarily representative of fan views writ large, but they are the noisiest fans and they make the most noise. They get our attention, which means we amplify them. Um, and which is usually not a good thing. Um, but, uh, you know, but they, they do have sort of outsized, uh, influence because, you know, because of us mostly. So, um, I, I, I agree with you. I think that, um, that, that those fans probably aren't going to need, um, coddling if the giants do, you know, make moves that weaken them. 
and and sort of lessen their their chances of of sneaking into the postseason. But but I think you know for the, the Giants as an organization have to worry more about just what their what Joe Q fan is going to say or do. And and, and I I think that honestly they just they want a star to root for. They want compelling reasons to come to the ballpark. And if Carlos Rodon brings back somebody who could be an everyday player who doesn't get platooned, great. The Giants need more of those people. I wonder if there is, if they do trade Rodon, how that goes in the, in the clubhouse as far as this year. Even if they get some pieces back, even if they somehow spin the prospects they get for Rodon into, I don't know, Pablo Lopez or someone who replicates his run prevention but has a little bit more team control and is a little bit uh, for, for the future as well as the present, is there a way for that clubhouse to say, yeah, they threaded that needle, it, I guess they're still kind of going for it, or yeah, we still have a shot, or is trading Rodon just on its face a sign, hey, we're not winning the World Series this year. Otherwise, we would have we would have been riding with this guy. But uh, you know, keep keep out there and do your best. Is is that how the clubhouse would feel? I think it's the latter. I think that if they trade Rodon, it's a clear sign that you know they know which way the wind's blowing here. But I also think it doesn't matter, frankly, because they lost the seven games out of the All Star break, so they they've got no right to complain. I mean, the players, if they had played better, um, then, ownership, then ownership and management would have taken a different tack. And, you know, again, we're talking about all this like it's already been done and and it hasn't been or, or maybe it has been by the time you're listening to this. <laughs> but 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 uh, um, yeah, I, I, I just don't think the players have any right to complain. I mean, they, they, they put themselves in this mess. So, you know, that's sort of where they are. That's my thinking anyway. Yeah, no, that, that's a solid point. That's a solid point. I'm just trying to, to think, try and crawl inside the heads of, of the people who actually have to try and win these games over the next couple of months and what it's going to be like to not have Rodon out there every fifth day. But, you know, if the Giants, Jacob Junis can stick in the rotation and the Giants get this guy and that guy, maybe, maybe they'll have a shot. I don't know. I will say that there has already been a trade, or it seems like one is close since we've started recording this podcast. Did you did you see that note that Melissa dropped into uh, Slack? I did not. No, please. Josh me. Hader might be going to the Padres with Taylor Rogers, perhaps going back to the Brewers with prospects. Uh, that seems wacky. That seems wacky, and she's saying, hey, maybe Tyler to the Brewers, maybe Tyler Rogers, maybe the Twins can be reunited, uh, form of good bullpen. Ooh, wow. Now, that would be something they could play catch on the field every day. Wow. That's sweet. That would be great. Thank you for saying play catch and not have a catch. Yeah. Oh, is 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 that an option? Oh, I guess it is an option. That's a debate. That's like it's a very soda pop thing uh, where, you know, do you play catch or do you have a catch? And to me, have a catch uh, seems a little too old timey. It's very it must be some East Coast thing like you play. You have a catch when you're waiting online. So when you um, when a suntan, when you go acquire a suntan, how do, how do you say that? Uh, I'm uh, sunbathing, I guess. Would you say take a suntan? No, I don't think I, I, would? I would. No, okay. Hmm. I would yeah. say take a suntan, but but not everyone says that. Where are you? Are you like a German spy? Um, yes. Is this, did we just did we just suss you out? I well, I've never taken a suntan <laughs> in my life, so you know. Yeah, um, baseball writers aren't known for taking suntans. <laughs> no, generally not. Um, you know what? I, I honestly, this is really interesting. There have been some some reliever moves that have not made sense lately. I mean, everyone was expecting the Cubs to move uh, Robertson, or Givens, and they trade Efros, who they have 
club control over, which is really, really strange. So yeah, now Mark Feinstein is reporting as we are. Ha, ha, this is fascinating. We, we, this is live as we are recording. The Padres <laughs> are requiring Josh Hader from the Brewers. Milwaukee will receive Taylor Rogers and Denelson Lamette and a couple of prospects, Robert Gasser and Esturi Ruiz. So how about that? This is uh, this is pretty interesting. That is wild. How do you trade a left-handed pitcher named Robert Gasser? I don't know. That is a good name. That is that's the a good old Bob name. Gas. Give him the old Bob Gas up above the zone. I don't know. I'm fascinated by pitcher names that are both really, really, um, I guess, uh, impressive, and also ones that are just really unfortunate. Like Aaron Bummer. Aaron Bummer is just an unfortunate <laughs> name for a relief pitcher. Bob Walk. That was a very unfortunate name. Eric Plum. Homer Bailey. Yeah, Homer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. See, they, they could we could come up with a whole staff, a whole staff of. Of bummers and walks and plunks and homers. Matt Frisbee would be one if he hangs it, but if he has a good Frisbee slider, that's a good one. That's true. That's, that is also true. Um, yeah, I, you know what? It, the, the Giants do have pieces to move out of their bullpen. I, Dom Leone, I think, is a guy that could potentially be moved. He's having a, a fairly decent year and uh, is coming off of an excellent, excellent year, has a good track record of success, and he's going to be a free agent. So, you know, he, he's somebody I thought maybe the Giants would get some offers for. Um, but, but yeah, boy, Josh Hader to the, to the Padres. That's, uh, that, that is, that is a little bit of a shocker. I will say that the last time we saw Josh Hader, he didn't look like someone that the Padres might want to acquire, but I guess he has, uh, uh, righted the ship a little bit. Uh, that's well, okay. Padres bullpen is a little bit more fearsome. I will say that I agree with you that the Giants could mo- move some bullpen pieces and, it's funny because when I bring this up to people in uh, the real world and also online, they say, oh, the Giants bullpen is so terrible. Who who could they possibly trade? And that's from the perspective of a team that's had a really good bullpen for the last several years. They have a, a bullpen that's scuffling compared to that. But now I, I think it's easy to forget a team like the Blue Jays really could use Leon. A team like uh, the Blue Jays, maybe even the Cardinals, could really use John Brebbia. Uh, there are lots of. There might be a team that is willing to go extra, extra goofy for someone like Camilo Duvall, who has team control. They might give a top twenty-five or top fifty, couple of top fifty prospects for Duvall. I don't know. The Giants do have some pieces in the bullpen that they can sell. I totally agree. I, I think that Camilo Duvall is eminently movable. Uh, I, and I know that a lot of fans will disagree with that. Say, no, we need him. He's a huge part of the future. And, I mean, relievers, God love them. They're my favorite players to talk to. They're always in the clubhouse. They're affable. They're, um, they're, they are my favorite players, I will say. Relievers are generally my favorite players. And yet, they are a little bit... F word. We have to use the F word fungible. And you, you got to develop more of them. You always got to develop more of them and they can come fast. And, uh, and I think when sometimes you can trade them and you can get, you know, pieces back that are a little bit more valuable. And if you can do that, then I think you owe it to yourself at least to listen. And I think the Giants absolutely owe it to themselves to listen on Camilo Duvall uh, because he's coming off one of the better outings he's ever had against the Cubs the other day on ESPN. And, um, uh, you know, he throws 102 miles an hour. And, you know, that's that's nice. Some teams might like that. Yeah, no, I went and I looked up a list of relievers who were both under 25 uh, five years ago and had a strikeout rate of well more than, uh, I guess, about 10 per nine innings. And you would have this wide wide mix of names. You had A.J. Minter, right? He was good back in 2018. He's still very good right now. The Braves have gotten a lot of use out of him. He was a contributor last year to their championship. But you also have Reyes Maranta, who threw a million miles per hour and then broke. 
and is now trying to get his career back on track with the Dodgers. And uh, I haven't even seen how he's doing, so I'm going to look that up. That's another breaking on the podcast, how Ty- uh, Reyes Maranta is doing. He is, uh, you know, he's okay. So that's that's the range. That is the range of possibilities. You can have someone who is a shutdown reliever for the next few years, or you could have someone who becomes just a guy really quickly. And so when you have a reliever, even if he's young, even if he has a ton of uh, team control, you kind of want to see what you can get for him if you're in the giant spot. Yeah. And, you know, I think that the, the overall point, because we've been a little all over the place here, but I think that the overall point, maybe that we, I would, I would not to presume, but I think we would both agree on is, the Giants need to listen on everyone, except for maybe Logan Webb. You know, Logan Webb's a let, let, let's hang on to Logan Webb. But I think the Giants, absolutely where they are as an organization, owe it to themselves to listen on everyone and be willing to act on 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 trading just about anybody on this roster. That's just that's just where they are. And if you want the Giants to be good, if you want them to compete and contend in a pretty rugged division next year, um, they they got a lot of work to do. And I don't think they can do all that work, frankly, in one off season. I think they got to start doing some of that work now. It's a fascinating because when you say that, I a I agree, and b. I'm not thinking complete rebuild, complete teardown. When you say everyone on the roster should be fair game, I'm not thinking, okay, this is like the Astros and the Cubs and the Nationals back in the day where they're just going to tear it down to the studs and in three, four, five years, we'll see what we got. That's not what I think the idea is. And I don't think that's what you're trying to convey. It's more get some major league pieces in the offseason. They'll look for their next Alex Wood or Desclafani or their next Kevin Gossman. They'll do their tricks. They'll spend some money maybe this time. But they'll also have someone who's ready to step into the rotation or the lineup that they can trust a little bit more than, say, David Villar or Elliot Ramos or, or the young players who might have had that chance going into next season. That's the goal. It's to it's to have have it both ways, cake and eating it. Um, you know, if you have a cake, you like to eat the cake. And I will say um, that does give me an, op- an opportunity to segue into <laughs> yesterday, um, Sunday, was Gabe Kapler's birthday. He and I uh, were born like two weeks apart, uh, yeah. believe it or not. And we look like twins, you know. <laughs> we really do. It makes sense. You'd think that we were born in the same month, in the same year, 1975. I mean, we've aged just identically. Um, so, so, so he had a cake. And last uh, last year, was it the year before? I think it was last year. He had a cake that was sh- shaped like a steak. And it yes. looked exactly like a big giant ribeye. And I'll never forget, this was in the age of Zoom interviews, which I never want to go back to. And Darren Ruffin, a Zoom interview, said, it's a cake shaped like a steak. And the, the look of like delight on his face, I'll never forget. He was just so captivated by the steak cake. And, of course, it was like red velvet on the inside, but it looked just like you know, a big ribeye uh, on the outside. And and we asked Gabe if he had any of it. And no, of course, of course he did not. He did not <laughs> eat any of it. Um, and, and, and so this year uh, he got a cake that was just a straight up plain chocolate cake, just a regular old chocolate cake. And, and what do you think happened to that cake? He brought it out and he gave it to the media and he said, you guys take this up to the press box and eat it. So, so there was a big giant cake that was in the press box and, and people were coming by and eating slices off of it. Uh, oh, wow. because, because Gabe Kapler, you can give him a birthday cake. He'll appreciate it. He'll thank you for it. And then he will re-gift it and not eat it. So. Happy birthday, Gabe Kapler. Happy birthday, Gabe Kapler, but not even one slice, one tiny sliver to get to 
get the old flour and sugar floating around in your mouth? Yeah, you know what's funny is I, I think Gabe is, is is I think he's pretty honest with the media. I, I give him a lot of credit. I think he is fairly forthcoming on a lot of things. And when he can't be, he tells you straight up. He's not someone I think who's very deceptive with us, which we appreciate. However, I don't believe him for one second. Anytime he says we have a conversation about food, like someone will mention a, a place where they got donuts, and he'll be interject. Oh, I love donuts. Oh, I love I love ice cream. Oh, no, you do not eat donuts. Come on, I do not believe you for one second. My and one of the most disciplined people that I know when it comes to food is my mom. She's just a she's very good. Watches what she eats and is just absolutely on track most of the time. But even her birthday, you know, she'll she'll let her guard down and say it's my birthday. What are you going to do? about it. And I, I, that's how I think I want to be is disciplined and yet have uh, cheat days, as they say. And you're telling me that, that Kapler, I don't know. I just don't see him ever having a donut either. I, I think it's just not part of his DNA. I remember having a long conversation with Hunter Pence one time about the value of a cheat day. And, um, uh, you know, even someone like him who would, you know, basically eat kale for, you know, three meals a day and be very fastidious on his paleo diet, he would give himself a cheat day. And when he would have a cheat day, it was all in, man. He was, I mean, he was, uh, he was going to town. He was going to cheat on some good stuff. He was having the pizzas and burgers and everything. And, um, you know, I, I, I totally agree with that. And that's why I think that um, I try to make every day a cheat day. See, I <laughs> I, uh, I didn't realize this about Hunter. And then when we had the podcast, I just, in my head, I'm thinking kale and push-ups and you know, just health, health, health. And we were talking about, and somehow the, the discussion shifted to scotch. And he goes, oh man, there's nothing better than a good scotch. And I thought, wait a second, we're talking kale-based scotch? Is it uh, some sort of mushroom fermented uh, scotch substitute? And no, he has cheat days. He enjoys the finer things in life. And I, I don't know. I, I do too. Every day. Just like, you, you know, said. after, after the Giants EFA'd, uh, K, uh, McGee, Jake McGee, uh, mm. his locker was empty for about five minutes. And then Dom Leon turned it into a wine cellar. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not making this up. Dom Leon put in like it, the, the, the bottle holders and there's a little mini fridge in there and there's like 40 bottles of wine in Jake McGee's locker. <laughs> It's like, sorry, buddy. Hey, it's tough. Good luck. We're never going to land somewhere good. Land on your feet someplace. You're a great teammate. Okay. Uh, who's Who's got the, um, yeah, bring, bring the wine in. Is that an homage or is that disrespectful? I can't decide. I think it's a, a happy homage. I think it is too. You know, I, I, it's like, uh, you know, it's it's like when someone, instead of like being buried in a cemetery, they, they have their ashes scattered on it or have a tree planted in their honor. It's like, uh, yeah, I'd rather look at the tree and, and think of someone. Uh, so you look at those bottles of wine, you think of Jake McGee. There you go. The Giants have a history of... Wine lovers and connoisseurs from Bruce Bochy, Rich Aurelia, he's got his own wine, Dave Roberts. I mean, they would just talk wine on the trip. It, does every major league team have that now? Is that is that a thing that I'm missing, a trend? Uh, I don't know if it's every team, um, but definitely it's a nice way for me to open conversations. I've talked more with Dom Leone this year uh, than I have really ever, and I think most of it has been about wine. So, um, yeah, it's been good. It's been a nice icebreaker. Charles Shaw, you for it or against it, Mr. Leone? You start with that? Mm. Oh, I had a really nice <laughs> franzia the other day. <laughs> a gal, a gallo with one of those handles that you can loop around your finger and put over your shoulder. All right, this is this not is the a- <laughs> finest jug of wine you can buy on the lowest shelf in the Safeway. Yes, I just realized that we are at time, and boy, did we go off the rails at the end, not 
talking about the trade deadline. And I think that the reason is, is because if you start saying this player is going to go here and this player is going to go there, it'll be moot by the time we publish this. So, hey, have some uh, wine thoughts. Honestly, I think I think juggle wine talk is probably the, the part that's going to hold up the best from this podcast. So, yeah, we probably should have just made the whole podcast out of out of jug wine. Do you think the Giants could get a jug of wine back for Evan Longoria if they... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I, uh, Tommy Lestella would have been a better one for that joke. Could they trade uh, Tommy Lestella's contract for a jug of wine if they gave a prospect uh, to the other team? Um, that uh, They probably need more than a jug of wine. They probably need a few cases of Petru or maybe some... Uh, uh, <laughs> what's that really expensive uh, burgundy? Um, uh, oh, gosh. I'm, I'm blanking on the, the name of it now. Um, the one from... The one from... Uh, oh, oh, gosh. I can't think of it. Oh, I'm, I'm ruining my reputation as a wine snob. Um, anyway, yeah, they should get some of that for time of the Stella, <laughs> considering they, they still owe him like $13 million. But, um, you know, I in one of my fake trades, I had Evan Longoria going back to the Rays, and they could pair him with uh, Choi as a, as a right-handed DH. So, you know, who knows? Lots of wacky things could happen. Lots of wacky things could happen. And we will be back to talk about it on Friday because Thursday's a day game. So we're going to have you wait one more day for our thoughts on what happens at the trade deadline. Not our fault. It's the Giants' fault for having a game on Thursday. So this has been episode 202 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back on Friday. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you then.